Hi, welcome to Clitterly Speaking, the podcast. I'm Michelle Doherty. And I'm Emily Lane. We are BFFs dedicated to bringing you conversations between girlfriends over a bottle of wine. Oh, I am so excited about the wine part. Oh, me too. So pull up a chair, grab your glass, and let's get talking. Oh my gosh, Emily. I am so happy to see you today. I am so happy to see you as well, Michelle. It has been It's been forever. Ages. It, it ages. always does seem like, <laughs> like, like the time Way too much time passes. recording the episodes. I know. Is, it's I know. like the sun has gone around and around <laughs> and around. And I'm just stuck someplace else wondering when I could get back into the studio and, and record have more another wine episode. Have another Talk about wine. And, and today, today we had such terrible news. We did. We had... Tragic news. Tragic news. Yes, we lost Luke Perry, Dylan. From oh, a heartthrob, a heartthrob from, you know, a very, you know, I mean, influential I, time in my life. Well, you were in middle school then. <laughs> very influential time in my life. I was in, you know, early college, high school, mm. and. It's too it's too close to home. <laughs> he's just know. he's just like 3 years older than I am. Well, you know it is I'm 52. It's way too way young. Too young. And he had a stroke. How does a 52-year-old man have a stroke? I don't know. It's uh, you I know. know. You know they're going to be exploring things and talking about it in the news and the media and all that kind of stuff. But I just I think one of the things that sucks about getting older is that we go to less and less baptisms mm-hmm. and what wh- Weddings, unless it's second weddings, and and we're yeah. celib- we're having to do more, you know, condolences and very funerals true. and things like that. And even though he's a celebrity, and you know, I didn't know him personally, but I'm sure he would have liked me, and we liked each other, and had <laughs> lots right. of things to talk about. He was pretty influential in my our generation's. Uh, evolution as we con- as we grew up and and what we thought about and oh, identified with you know yeah I you know and I I I think it's interesting that his career as an actor has evolved with my with my personal entertainment interests as well you know so of course when I was when he was first on 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 the scene he was in 90210 which was just great right and then you know now in the later years. Um, he's been on Hallmark, which, of course, as everyone knows here, I... You're a huge fan of Hallmark. <laughs> huge fan of Hallmark. Sadly and, so. And <laughs> uh, at the same time, he's like Archie's dad on Riverdale. Right. So when I came home right. today to talk to my son, who's a sophomore in high school, you know, William, everybody out there in, knows about William. I was like, hey, did you hear mm-hmm. about... Archie's dad. That's how I had to say it. You know, <laughs> right. I didn't say. You know, do we need to have a conversation? And he was like, "Yeah, I did, Mom. It really sucks." I'm like, "I know." Yeah. I said, "But he was Dylan. I know you know him as Archie's dad, but he was Dylan for me." But anyway, we're not yeah. going to have the whole episode today about you know. No, but we wanted to acknowledge it. And- yeah, but it's nice to like. I knew we could talk about it tonight. Yeah. I didn't have to. I mean, like when Burt Reynolds died, I was all by myself. I had nobody <laughs> to talk to about when Burt Reynolds died. You didn't died. have a support team. You didn't have friends. I didn't, have a you didn't have wine. I didn't have a podcast you know? to come to yeah. to talk about that night. <laughs> but uh, yeah, the, I mean, it sucks to get older and have your teenage, middle school, teenage, college age idols. Yeah. Yeah. Die. That just makes this mortality. Feel more real, right? Feel more real. Yeah, yeah, it does. So, on that happy note, let's just oh, get started on our, pe- let's on talk our about episode. Our guest. Yeah, <laughs> I'm gonna like you know wipe my tears a little bit. Well, thankfully, we do have some joy to bring to the table today. We have an excellent wine and an amazing guest who an actually amazing guest. Yeah, which was this guest we had originally scheduled for season one, but she is so in demand and so busy that she wasn't available and yeah. she had to reschedule. So, yeah. fortunately, we were able to get her in on season two. That's that's right. Our schedule's aligned. And uh, do we want to talk about our guest, Wait, let's Nicole, start with the guest. first? All right. Yeah. Versus the wine. All right. So our guest, Nicole Duray. Hello, Nicole. Hi, Michelle and Emily. I'm happy to be here. Thank you for having me. Nice to see you again. Uh, Nicole is a professional golf pro. She is on the LPGA LPGA. and has recently agreed to do the Legends Tour out in Seattle coming up. Mm -hmm. But she has been um, a professional athlete for pretty much... Since I graduated college. So that's like over 25 years. A very long career for... A professional right. athlete, <laughs> yeah. right? Mm-hmm. In in a predominantly male sport, 
I mean, thankfully you have the LPGA, but we're going to talk about that, uh, the differences, the experiences you've had as a female professional golfer versus what your contemporaries would have experienced. Mm -hmm. Um, And uh, we're going to explore all that kind of stuff here today on the episode. And we're going to drink along with that. A wonderful Merlot. Um, this is one that Michelle, you and I selected during a wine tasting. Did you know, we? one of those Saturday tastings where there was a, a two table side by side. There was the best of France and then the best is of this? Napa Valley. Exactly. Oh, I remember that day. Yes. And so, or actually not Napa. I'm so sorry. It's Oregon, isn't it's it? Oregon. I thought so. Yeah, I didn't want to correct yeah. you, but I, I, I do remember Valley. the day. It's Yakima Valley. And he was a very tall guy that was pouring it. It was like, yeah. he was like a football player. Like he must have played football in college. The, right. The representative. From- it was very, it was so interesting because he's like one of those perfect people where you, if you would look at him, you would never... Never Merlot. Yeah, you would never think Merlot from Oregon. (laughs) Actually, that's not Oregon. This is Washington, everybody. (laughs) This is not California. It's not Oregon. It's the grief talking. We are still (laughs) so upset about losing Dylan in nine hundred two one zero. We have no idea what our zip codes are. Yes, we are way off on the zip codes. Yakima Valley is in um, the state of Washington. But thank God we're we've settled we, we've settled down on a state, <laughs> a city. Yes. But it is Merlot. It is Merlot okay. from 20, right. 2015. The label, the producers, Cross Fork Creek. Okay. And you and I, you know, we were we, we went through the France tasting, which we were like, whoa, that that was yeah. amazing. That was an expensive tasting. It was. I think I was holding all of the bottles mm. to leave mm-hmm. wine Th- merchant. This was the beginning of you needing a wine rack in your in your basement. The, like, no, it's like the beginning of me like transforming <laughs> underneath my porch into a wine cellar. Right versus like just putting it on the wall because I'm going to drink it so fast. That's now right. It's like oh, it's an investment. It's a pivotal tasting for us. Right. And we right. were blown away by this line because we walked over there not expecting at all to be blown away because we're like, well, we've already had the best of France. What can you do, Mister <laughs> California? No Oregon. No, no Washington, Washington State. Like, yeah, <laughs> tall guy that played football once. Yeah. What can you provide for us in, in the bottle of wine. Yeah. And it was marvelous. And here Mm -hmm. we are. So I, you know, this nose is tremendously, oh, Mm. it's fat. It's fabulous. I get a lot of vanilla right up front on this. Um, I get grilled meat and pepper, dark cherry, cassis. This has nice acidity. You will salivate. So it'll be fabulous with food. I cannot wait to hear what you ladies think of this wine. sip, Nicole. It smells outstanding, that is for sure. It's delicious. <laughs> it's so smooth. Oh mm-hmm. my gosh. Yeah. Yeah. I, I could agree. I don't know what I don't know what state it's from. I don't know if it's from California <laughs> or Oregon or, or Washington. Does it's it really so good. matter? It doesn't really it's matter. So good. As long as you remember Cross Fork Creek. Cross Fork. <laughs> I said I said Cross Fork Creek. Oh, okay. Okay. I said fork. Oh, okay. I did. I did. We can like play the tape back. It's we'll right. know I said cross fork creek. We are having a lot of fun already, and we haven't even gotten into the heart of the conversation yet. <laughs> oh. It's just fantastic. No, this is a lovely red. It's a lovely Merlot. I could taste the um, vanilla, you said? Mm-hmm. I did taste the vanilla. Um, but it's more of a... In the, in the panty realm. Oh, yeah. This is this is kind of like um, this is like a pair of I'm going to say like a really deep uh, burgundy Mm -hmm. pair of panties Mm -hmm. with um, with uh, I think some garters is that what yeah garter belt with with, with matching garter belt Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and you know so then you've got the stockings are the stockings are they like fishnet are they silky what do you what do you think well. Um, I think the smaller girls can wear the fishnets. <laughs> I think the larger girls is just a really pretty uh, pair of uh, soft silk uh, stockings. Lovely. Because I, as as representing the larger girls, 
fishnets that it ends up being way too big of a pattern on my legs. <laughs> It's hmm. not as nearly as attractive as on, like, you know, smaller girls. Well, you know, they make various sizes of the netting. Yeah, no, I didn't know that. Um, <laughs> I, damn it, again. I know. You know I, I learn something to... new every time we do <laughs> well, the podcast. thank God I could teach you something today. <sighs> wonderful, wonderful. But that's what I'm seeing. I'm seeing, like, that, like, like the nice, you know, burgundy maroon. Sounds luxurious and wonderful. Luxurious and wonderful, like this... Uh, this glass of wine. It's I'm going great. with the soft and silky myself. I think that's a great analogy. It's very good. Yeah. Velvety and soft. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And uh, is this in our price range, our price point? I don't think so. I um, think it's higher. Than- I, I remember this being a, a splurge. And when we take a break, we'll look it up. I do remember this being a splurge for us. and um, But I don't think it was higher than 25 um, probably not. Yeah. 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 I don't you know. think so because I think whenever whenever Emily and I go to wine tastings together and we're like, oh, this would be great on the podcast. We, but then we always look at the price point and we go, well, mm. mm-hmm. and we we try to stay very cognizant of not pushing the envelope too high. Yeah, this is going to be my my estimate somewhere in the twenty three to twenty five would be my guess. But okay. we'll confirm. All it. right. Either yeah. way. Yeah. yeah so okay. Nicole. Let's talk about your world a little bit. Um, was golf something that was always a part of your life growing up? What, when did you become a part of, you know, this golf world? When did you know you had a talent for it? How did that happen? Well, I played lots of sports as a kid, and I really didn't know I wanted to be a professional golfer until I was in college. My first experience with golf came when I wanted to be a caddy to make money. Okay. So I thought, I better learn golf if I want to be a caddy, right? And can you make—so you can make decent money being a caddy? Well, when you're, like, 13 years old— Oh, okay. It's—yeah, you can make really good money. So that's—my eyeballs were, like—I saw the dollar signs, and (laughs) as a kid, you know, I was collecting newspapers and aluminum cans, and that just wasn't cutting it. So where did you grow up? In Chicago area. Okay. And so I became a caddy at Riverside Country Club when I was 13. And I caddied there for three years. And um, that's where I kind of learned more about golf. And I, as I kept caddying and playing and developing more of an interest in it, and I, since I was like the only girl, I liked being, I, there was a lot of attention paid towards me because I was the only girl. And So you were accepted as opposed to like rejected. Oh yeah, I yeah. was accepted because I was competitive at it. Okay. Mm, I okay. think if I wouldn't have been competitive, then I might have been rejected, but I was just as good as all the boys, so they accepted me and I, I like so, that. Now, this could be just my experience with the movies, but um, there's this idea where the caddies actually have some knowledge to impart. Is that is that which you see in, in film, is that true that do caddies ever consult with the player and say, hmm, I think you need this iron or, you know? At the professional level, definitely. The okay. caddies help a lot. They're kind of like a psychiatrist and they get the numbers and pay attention to the wind and, you know, they wow. really help you make your life easier on They're the like, golf course. like a coach almost. A little bit. A okay. little bit. I mean, you're still making the the final decision yourself, mm-hmm. but they're... They're guiding you along the way. If I'm in, if I'm indecisive about something, they might talk me through it, and then it'll help me make a better decision, more informed decision. Do do people who become caddies like they realize they're the psychiatrist personality, and and so that's the direction they need to go, or versus the I'm gonna, you know, I'm gonna be the hitter here. I mean, how how do people make that decision? The golfer, mm-hmm. Emily, not the hitter. The golfer. Oh, well, um, all right, all right. <laughs> that would be baseball. I, you know, you... I think I think a lot of the caddies are the play or the kind of people that are good golfers to begin with, but they didn't have the skills to do it themselves, so they okay. want to be a part of the game. So they're not like stage moms. Stage moms, <laughs> kind of a little. <laughs> Right. They didn't like, your live the life themselves, so they're trying to live it through their... The golfer? The, yes. Yeah, okay. A little bit? Through their child. Kind of, maybe a little, yeah. sometimes. Yeah. There's For not sure. always Caddyshack and the Legend of Bagger Vance. It's not the same. I mean, those are probably like extremes. I, I think they're more of the extreme. But mm-hmm. um, a good cat... Or cad- Tin Cup. 
That's another no, really Tin good Cup one. Tin Cup is great. Yeah, great movie. That's a great, that's a great golf movie. Anyway, that was a moment we had for ourselves. <laughs> um, <laughs> so you were a caddy first. I was a caddy first. Exposed to, exposed to the, golf. the wonders of golf. Mm-hmm. You were competitive in your ability so the so the males around you welcomed you into their circles. You got more exposure. Did you go to college on a golf scholarship? Did you play for your university? I did. And and so when I I started working at a golf course and I didn't even know that scholarships were that existed for women and my boss at work was like, "You know, you could play in college." I'm like, play in college like you could do that as a career like nowadays you everybody knows that you can play in college or play for professionally but back then you know I was just trying to figure out you know how to go to work and make money and go to school and I had no idea that you could even play golf in college so my boss had helped me get a scholarship to college and um, and then I played in college at Northern Illinois University. Okay. Oh, wow. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. And so that was really cool. And I did really well. I got really good and won lots of tournaments and eventually decided, well, I might as well just try this pro thing for a little so, while. So when you when a person decides to go pro, mm-hmm. a, when a female golfer decides to go pro, what does that mean? I mean, do you just like wake up and say, I'm going to be professional now? And then you're on your own to figure it out, or do you get agents, or do you? Is there a, a service to help you th- navigate all of it? I mean, what was that like for you? So yes, you can just turn professional and and sign up for tournaments. You pay money, you sign up for tournaments, and you try to win money. Um, but you, if you're not good, you'll run out of money really quick because you have all of your expenses you have to pay for your hotel, your travel, your entry fees, your caddy. Um, and then you can play in like the, the Symmetra tour or the LPGA, you have to qualify for those tours. Okay. So you have to kind of build yourself up to play on those tours. But basically you can just declare yourself a professional or an amateur. And if you're a pro, you play for money. If you're an amateur, you don't play for money. Mm-hmm. Oh. So the amateurs don't win anything in the tournament? Nope. Not even like a, like, you know, tickets to the old country buffet? <laughs> I think they win the status, the the trophy and the status of being and a t-shirt, mm-hmm. like yeah, a, pretty and much, a, and a trophy to take home. Do you have to pay to play a tournament? Yeah, you pay an entry fee and you pay all of your expenses, mm-hmm. and you pay for your caddy and you pay and then, dues for whatever tour you're on. Okay, it's but actually quite expensive. So that's where like having it. like partnerships or sponsorships come into play, right? Exactly. So some people have people that give them money that, you know, I want to invest in your career Mm -hmm. and they'll give them a whole bunch of money and to support their future. Um, For me, I didn't have that. And I, um, I mostly just tried to market myself to different companies or get endorsements. So, or appearance fees, um, show up and play golf with people, you get paid money. Or right. you put a um, logo on your hat or your shirt or your bag, and then you get money. And so I used all of that to help me pursue my career. My so you were, uh, you were your own agent, really. I was my own agent. Yeah. So nowadays you can hire your agent. And I mm-hmm. could have hired one back then, but there was only a few and far between. And I felt like I did a better job for myself because... I wasn't a big name or like, you know, I was just me. And so they weren't yeah. out there working real hard for me. They yeah. were working real hard for the bigger names like Anika Sorenston, Lorena Ochoa, you know, people that, they, that you've heard of. And I was just trying to get by. So I felt like it was more lucrative for me to sit, go and sell myself. Sure. So, you know, I think about... Um other industries where, you know, I have experience and often, you know, artists, musicians, for example, like they're not typically good at representing themselves because they're so right-brained and in the creative space. They're not naturally business people. Um, Is that, I mean, to me, it sounds really surprising that you would do a better job representing yourself because, but because you're so competitive in nature, you know, I could see why you'd have that advantage. I'm curious, 
Are other people talented in sports, are they more left-brained or right-brained? Do they typically represent themselves? Or is it something that, you know, you've got this skill, you hone it, and have somebody else advocate for you? You know, that you're just an, a special anomaly that's been able to bridge both worlds. I think I'm an anomaly. Okay. I think it would be a lot easier if you could have somebody else doing all that work for you. Yeah. They're professionals at it. They're really good at it. And mm-hmm. it's like, in retrospect, I wish I had, you know, an agent and a trainer and, a you know, a sports psychiatrist and my coach all those people on my team. Yeah. And then I all I had to do was go out there and play mm-hmm. and then they would, you know, help me with all my side stuff. Was that but indicative of the time though? I mean, you're you've been at this for a few years now, so is that indicative of the time that those resources weren't as prevalent for women at the time that you launched your career versus now and what's available? It not as prevalent. We don't make nearly as much money as they do right now. I mean, back 25 years ago when I was first on tour, I mean, our biggest purse was uh, $750,000. And now the smallest purse on tour is, you know, probably $1.5 million. So let me so, ask, I'm going to ask a silly question. When you say purse, is that the, the first finisher or is that what's distributed among everybody who's playing? That's the entire purse. So that's distributed distributed amongst everybody that's playing, but only half of the fields actually make money. The other half don't make you have anything. To place. Yeah. So there's a cut after two rounds. There's usually four rounds okay. and there's a cut after two rounds. And everybody that makes the cut will make money the first two but, but the higher you are and in the rankings, the more of the, the purse you The more money get. you'll make. And so okay. generally, so if the purse is a million, first place will be 15% of that, so mm-hmm. 150000 Now, if you compare that to the men's tour, the men's tour, the first place is our entire purse. The million. Wow. Yes. Yeah. Oh, at least wow. a million. Like, we're talking wow. two, three million they're getting. It's, like, insane. It's not even, it's never been comparable. Hmm. Ever. Well, you know, because they're just better golfers. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> you know, that's just what it's all about, isn't it? Really? The women are so good these days. It's like incredible. I know you are. I'm just teasing. Because I know you Because I don't know what to say to that. I know, right? It infuriates me. It's very and, frustrating. And, and it's not just golf, right? It's tennis, too. It's women's soccer, you know, World Cup. It's business. Winning it's, it's teams. Every, it's everything, right? It's not yeah. just sports. It's in business. It's in it's every genre of the world we can talk about. It exists. It does. Yeah. I guess maybe it just feels more blatant when Nicole's talking about the differences between the LPGA and the PGA, you know, the Mm -hmm. prize monies. Um, Because we don't really notice it when it's, you know... Just well, because our income checks are are hidden, right? You know, like oh, mine's so there, hidden, right? Yeah, <laughs> nobody can see it. You know, it's so hidden. <laughs> My bank doesn't even see it because it just it's just gone before it even hits the bank. It's just gone, wiped away. But it's okay. I love my life. It's fine. <laughs> do we need to explain? Do we need a caddy to come in and be the we psychologist need, here? We need, a, we need a podcast sports psychiatrist yeah. for us. We need to have like on on our breaks somebody off mm. to the side and go okay let's like talk to talk to me tell yeah. me what's going on right. and like get our head right All so right. we can get back in there exactly exactly but until then <laughs> emily we're just got to do it on our own right no we got to rally each other <laughs> okay. that's, all, that's all about we got to we got to keep working for no money <laughs> well, well speaking of rallying each other i yeah. think we should take a brief pause and refresh our glasses that way we have the juice we need to go into the next segment of our conversation. What do you think? I'm happy for I'm happy to do that. Sounds good. I'll see you back here in a moment. And we're back. Thank you for letting us refresh our glasses. We hope you did as well. I know. This is I'm 
so thrilled that you poured some more in my, I know. In my glass because it was getting quite dry. And it is a tasty, tasty Merlot. Indeed. Yes. Before we uh, took our break, we were talking with Nicole a little bit about you know being on the LPGA, starting out. And, and Nicole, I was wondering... In your experience, what has been like some of the the highlights of being a professional athlete? Not everybody gets to have that as their job, right? Um, you know, there are you know people out there every day driving to work so they can you know be a Crunch secretary or, or yeah. be an accountant, or they're staying up overnight to try to make their their business, their entrepreneurial business work. I mean, although being a professional athlete, as I understand it, you were an entrepreneur too. But what have been some of the highlights of that type of life for you? Well, one of the things I loved most about playing golf for a living was the travel and getting to experience the whole world and meeting so many wonderful people. I've met some of my best friends through the golf world or staying in their homes or experiencing Mm -hmm. how other people live. Um, Some of the places I've traveled, Thailand, Indonesia, Philippines, Malaysia, I mean, wow. So, I mean, Japan, it's just Taiwan. It's just to experience all the different cultures and to see how other people live is quite, um, we are very lucky to live in this country, first of all. But um, to be able to play golf for a living is, I mean, it, it's it's wonderful. It's like I never wanted to give it up because it was just, <laughs> and the challenge of, you know, and the challenge of always working on something and working for a tournament to play And in. it's never the same. Like, no, every day is different, right? doesn't matter day. if you played the, that course 20 million times. Every day, every time mm-hmm. you play different it, conditions, is different, different. Your body's different. Uh, so many different circumstances. I, I'm curious, is the... Camera- is there a great deal of camaraderie amongst the contestants? Um, I would say that there's... I mean... On the mini tours, it's there's a lot more camaraderie because we're describe. all we all the mini, mini tour, tour is like the the level underneath the LPGA. Okay. So all the all the tours that aren't quite the top, the the, the the top tour is the LPGA, and all the people on the mini tour are striving to be on the LPGA. So we are all all those people have a huge camaraderie because we're all trying to be striving for the same striving thing. for the yeah. same thing and then once you're on the LPGA you still have a, some camaraderie but it's so cutthroat out there that I think that you know you're just trying to survive and trying to keep your spot keep your spot and work on your thing and you're so busy and you're so you know I got to work on your brain you got to work on your body you got to experience the golf course you got to you know you you know deal with um your sponsors and all that, that there's not as much time to have as much camaraderie. Um, so there's a little bit, but not as much as mm-hmm. uh, So it's, it's more the tours. people that you meet during your travels and the families that, are you hosted by families? And, yes. You know, when you're, okay, For so me, so I've always, you know, in order to save money, I would always stay with families when I traveled. And so, so that was a choice. You could either stay at the hotel that they like the the sponsoring hotel or something like that. You know exactly. Or there would be with a, families. There would be like a a, a host hotel. Okay, the, the hotel that they right. wanted you to stay at, right. and then they worked or, out the deal exactly, yeah. which wasn't a, a deal, deal for never, my pocket yeah, because never. I'm trying to like <laughs> you know save every single penny because it's expensive to yeah. live out there and you're not making that much money. Yeah. Um, so you don't even know if you're going to make the cut yet. Yeah, exactly. And living, you know, living if living, it's not like you get paid every week. So mm-hmm. you have to watch your expenses. You don't know when you're going to get paid. In the golf world, you're going to make most of your money in a few week period of time, and the rest of it's just like little pocket change. So you're always kind of watching how you spend. And yeah. Some years are going to be a lot better than others, and some are going to be really bad. So mm-hmm. um, it's just. It is, that's you, a lot of uncertainty. But staying with it is. It's uncertain for sure. But back to staying with host families, that's where, you know, I met some wonderful people and who have are become my friends for life. My, some of my best friends are these people that I've stayed in their home and I go back to visit and like we develop mm-hmm. this relationship and it's really, really great. So that's a positive. 
Oh, absolutely. There's so many highlights of so playing golf. You for just a mentioned, you know, years years that could be great and years that could be not great. Like that's a long time to have um a phase where if if something's going great, awesome for you, but if it's not going great, oh my gosh. You know, have you gone what's your longest cycle where things have been a struggle for you and how did you pull yourself out of it? <laughs> It's not easy. Oh, my gosh. So you would go weeks at a time where you're doing great, and then you'd go many weeks where you're not doing good. And you really have to be your own best friend, and you cannot beat yourself up. It's really an education and a skill to you know maintain that positive attitude day in and day out because if you don't, you'll never survive out there. Right. And, I, you know... I really tried really hard to remain positive and always, you know, see the glass full because if you didn't, I I knew I would be in trouble. Right. So you had to stay ahead of everybody else. Well, I would also like to pull into our conversation the fact that not only are you out there competing with all of these other women who are professional golfers too, but how many of them suffer from narcolepsy like you do? I mean— you have that as well to try to manage. Yeah, so I was I was diagnosed with narcolepsy my third year on the LPGA tour. Get out. Yeah, so that's, you know, 20 What did you do before then? <laughs> I have no idea. So it wasn't my narcolepsy wasn't that bad, but then by my third year on the tour, that's when I really started falling asleep like crazy and my second year on tour was my I mean, I played great. I almost won a golf tournament. It was incredible. Um and then after I was diagnosed, I you know I couldn't keep my eyes open. I was falling asleep on the golf course. I was falling asleep in pro ams. I was falling asleep when I was driving. And then I had this so it accelerated rapidly. It did absolutely. Is there anything that they attribute that acceleration to? I think stress. Okay. I don't. That's. Yeah. I mean, we don't know that a hundred percent, but it, it's an autoimmune disorder. It. Oh, it, I didn't know that. Yeah, narcolepsy is autoimmune. Oh, that's So our body is killing off the cells in our brain that regulate the sleep wake cycle. Okay. So something is killing that, and I believe it's stress or um, some form of stress. I mean, mm-hmm. stress is you know yeah. wide spectrum. Yeah. For me, I think I burned the candle at both ends dramatically for many years and it, my system couldn't take it anymore and uh, so that's what happened to me and it's funny because when I was diagnosed I, I thought to myself oh well this is kind of like a blessing in disguise because it's going to teach me how to set priorities and stay on schedule better <laughs> and <laughs> well, right and of keep course my emotions under control because with narcolepsy you have this thing called cataplexy where if I get excited I go into REM sleep and when you're in REM sleep you're paralyzed so I would like you know drop my glass or fall I would hit a good shot and kind of um drop my golf club and have to you know wow. I'd have to get my emotions under control otherwise I'd fall over so you have to level out the highs and lows you have to yes exactly so I thought oh well this is going to be great for golf that here out. I am like you know I'm always trying to find, find, you the, know, positive. find the positive <laughs> make lemonade out of lemons I love right it. Yeah. yeah so that's what I did and so I did that for years which made my career a lot longer because I was you know my ups and downs were probably a lot more than other people's what did you? Was there always this underlining issue of of a problem with sleep that maybe you were not aware of that had been accumulating and growing throughout time? Was that for sure? Well, because in college I fell asleep in all of my classes and I could yeah, never stay when awake. When you're in college, everybody's falling asleep during <laughs> right. their classes. Everybody, everybody is right? absolutely. I mean, we all we all. Um, learn the whole movement of the elbow oh, yeah. and the and the hand holding the chin up and the nod so that you're paying attention but you're really just asleep. I mean we all develop that skill because we've stayed up so late studying for the class the night before. Mm-hmm. Everybody did exactly. it. Exactly. So everybody did you it. wouldn't you wouldn't even think that you were different or no. that it was something to be concerned about. Thought I was just like everybody else that was falling asleep. Totally yeah. normal. Yeah. Up too late, no sleep. So I had yeah. no idea. And then, but I remember uh, in the summertime, I would, I would wake, I would wake up, and I would be driving to my golf tournament, 
and I would be falling asleep, and I'm like, this mm. is weird. And I thought maybe That's I had scary. I drove an old car, so I thought maybe it's the, my car exhaust. So I would like oh. down my windows, See, it's and, like the carbon monoxide or mm-hmm. something like That's that. What, yeah, yeah. So we didn't. It, it was like a slow progression because there was. But it wasn't too bad, you know. It was just a little bit, and I thought, well, you know. What brought you to the doctor to to get a diagnosis? What What was your well? Watershed? I did. I did start going to many doctors because I I felt so lethargic and just so. You know, I said, you know, I don't remember feeling like this when I was in high school when I was playing basketball. And they're like, well, you're no longer in high school, right? <laughs> totally. Yeah. That's exactly what right. they said. They said, look at the lifestyle you lead. Look at your traveling around the world playing golf for a living why i mean of, of course, course you're, you're gonna, gonna be, be tired t- yeah. i'm like yeah yeah i guess so i just kind of got used to it mm-hmm. you know i mean i would be at dinner i remember having dinner with these potential sponsors of mine and i was so sleepy i was like mm-hmm. you know i would be seeing double and wow. just trying so hard to stay awake to pay attention to them so that they could help me with my career and you know, and right. I, I look back, you know, now I'm like, oh, that was a sign. That yeah, was it like, was totally a sign. Was no idea. I would I would be playing in, in pro-ams and riding in the cart and the, they would be asking me questions and I would just say yes. Yes, yes, yes. Or over here. I, I don't even know what I was saying. It was like, oh. <laughs> I'm sorry, I don't mean to laugh at it. It's not funny, so but bad. but as you describe it, it's it's kind of it kind of it's kind of humorous to me because I can imagine you you're, you 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 have such a picture of poise and things to like see you or imagine you in a car at the golf cart going whatever fine <laughs> whatever yes of course because all, all you want to do is sleep. I've been there. I've been there. Like yeah, what fine. Children could run off, do whatever you're going to do, play in the street. I just want to go to sleep right now. I'm so tired. And I don't even have narcolepsy, so I can imagine um, mm-hmm. having, like, not even be able to explain why you feel that way would be curious and, and a concern. But you you were still successful on the tour. You were still successful as a professional female golfer. I know. I was. It was amazing. And I remember going to a, a doctor at the Mayo Clinic in Jacksonville, and the doctor looked at me and he saw my 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 history and you know I'm trying to get my medications to control my cataplexy and help me wake up and all this stuff and he's just like wow you're amazing he's like I can't believe that you you're playing on the LPGA tour and you have severe narcolepsy he could he was flabbergasted he honestly and it's so yeah. funny because this doctor was shocked and my doctor in Chicago he was he hadn't he didn't he was like. Okay, here, take this medicine. We'll see you in a, in a month. He, and he had nothing. He had nothing to say about anything. He just was like, "Here you go." And the one in Florida was like, "Wow, you're amazing." Is that because so, there's so many more people in Chicago with narcolepsy? Like it's an everyday occurrence for him. Well, actually, my question <laughs> is: Does narcolepsy affect more women than men? It, it does equal? not. It's it's not. It's, it's gender equal. Okay. All mm-hmm. right. Well, we have is that. It, <laughs> is it? Uh, does it concentrate itself in different parts of the country? Uh, there are some countries where it is more prevalent. I want to say Japan and some of the Asian countries is more prevalent mm. than in other countries. Mm. Do you have a reason why or a theory? We don't know. Nobody, nobody knows. It is genetic, mm-hmm. uh, partially genetic. There is, you know. A, is there somebody in your family that has it? Nope. I don't have anybody in my family that has it. Well, that's curious. But there is a genetic marker that you can be tested for. But if it's an autoimmune disorder, that means that you have to have certain things kind of breaking down your system that makes that triggers that response in your body. Exactly. Right? And so, if you've got these triggers, then it's going to come alive, which makes sense how it can be more regionalized. That's exactly right. Yes, yeah. because you can carry the gene I know. and never develop it. You're on exactly. the podcast. I'm really the doctor on the podcast. <laughs> she not only dresses great and knows fantastic wine, she can diagnose you. Yeah. yeah. I have yeah. my prescription uh, pad right here. All you need is a little more cross for Cross Fork <laughs> Creek <laughs> Merlot. <laughs> The 2015. <laughs> okay, let's take a quick break. Let's yes. gather ourselves and get 
back to like you know serious questions and you know all this levity is craziness sounds here. great and we'll be right back Thank you for joining us today on Clitorally Speaking, the podcast. You might recall we've talked about narcolepsy once before. There's no coincidence here. In fact, our good friend Anne Austin, who joined us during episode three, a very early but yet beloved episode of the podcast, introduced us to our new friend, Nicole, who's joining us today. To learn more, listen to episode three. Welcome back to Clearly Speaking, the podcast. We have had a wonderful discussion with Nicole Jure, mm-hmm. as well as drinking a phenomenal Merlot here tonight. Mm-hmm. Um, Nicole, before we went on break, we asked you about some highlights of being, being able to play golf professionally as your career. And also, we talked about your narcolepsy. Um, but we were wondering... Emily and I were were wondering, I'm sure our listeners were, what have been some of like like some frustrations or obstacles in addition to the obstacle we already mentioned mm-hmm. with the with the narcolepsy. Maybe some of the more precarious experiences while traveling and on the road in your profession. <laughs> well, it's not always wonderful traveling and playing, right? I mean, there's always uh, the travel troubles and the high scores and the... What do you mean about the high scores? Um, shooting 80 and not... Oh, I don't play golf on a regular 70. basis. That's so. a good score for me, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> I would be celebrating that. <laughs> I, I continue to get confused with the bowling score and the, uh, and the golf score that's reversed. My bowling score is much lower than my golf score. Right. Well, so, <laughs> my, my bowling score is pretty low, too. <laughs> Sometimes I think my golf score is higher than my bowling score. But the, I mean, yeah, so it's hard to play great golf in every day, day. day in and day out and traveling and playing practice rounds and staying healthy and not being hurt. Um I mean, I, I still always loved it, which is why I did it for as long as I did. And, you know, as, as uh, my health got better with medic, the medications and learning how to deal with narcolepsy, so did my golf game. Oh, wow. Okay. So that's why I continued to pursue, pursue my career as long as I did. Um, but as the longer I played, the better everybody else got as well. So that... Um, that made and that would have happened life anyway life. because of aging in the sport and like the younger people coming in. I mean, that's just kind of a given, right? It's a given. It's, I mean, is it rare when somebody can be at the at the top end of? Uh, okay, generalization here. Is it rare for a an athlete to be at the higher age range in their sport and still be that the pinnacle? Of their sport, regardless of male or female. In this day and age, the younger are better, definitely. It used, Why is that? It used to be as you matured, mm-hmm. you would get better at golf, right? So like when you, you didn't peak until you were about 32 or 35. Now, when as you're- a male or female? Male or female, absolutely. Okay. And but nowadays it's you I mean all the golfers are great eighteen they're turn at eighteen they're winning golf tournaments eight by the time they're twenty six your career is over why is this uh, I think that the we're training the kids at a younger age the technology is better they're um you, they're starting younger they have equipment that fits them at a younger age. And they're all trained. Like they, we have all these, you know, the TPI program, and it's TPI? like we're like a Titleist Performance Institute. Hmm. They have like, you know, these education and fitness things that the kids go to. You go to college, you go to high school in Florida for tennis and golf and hockey. There's like hockey schools hmm. that you go to. So I think they're training these kids. They're specializing in their sport at such a young age that when you're eight, you, so then you play professionally from the time you're 18 to 22. And then 
and then you're done. But with age comes strategy and some of these other skills, right, that I think in a, a game, in any game, is very relevant to learning how to play against various opponents and on courses due to various circumstances and conditions and things like that. I would think that age could actually be an advantage. Yes. it. I mean, I think that it is. Um, Does age and that those abilities keep you competitive with the younger people? It does. Okay. It does. Like for me, I have all the experience and the reason that I've been able to play for so long is because I've had the experience and the maturity. I've learned so much and I'm able, I look at all this talent and I think, now if they could just think and act like... I do. They yeah. would win everything. Okay, so so what do you do to nurture that? I mean, part of the mission that we have here, clearly speaking, the podcast is lifting other women. You know, we 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 want to support each other and and celebrate the fact that there are lots of amazing women out there doing incredible things. So, what do you, as someone who's a veteran in this field? do to encourage this young talent that's coming and embrace it and and I mean do they and, reach out to you as a mentor have you found that has that happened to you absolutely it has and i i am a big helper and so i love being the big sister and i mm-hmm. love um i'm hoping i'm a good influence on them i'm always willing to answer questions and and I'm always complimenting them and encouraging them yeah. and building up their confidence because I, wa- I right? want to see them do well. Yeah, of course. Absolutely. And so that part of that kept me playing for as long as I did just because that made me feel good. Yeah, I know I'm not going to be winning in all those tournaments, but yet I was enjoying what I was doing and being a good role model to these kids. Really, I love that. And so now that I'm teaching... I'm able to do that even more so and get paid. <laughs> right. So are right. you teaching um, professionals, upcom- up-and-coming professionals, or are you teaching just like, like if Michelle and I wanted to come visit you some afternoon, will you teach just um, would everyday we, we, people off the street? We, you know, purchase a couple <laughs> lessons, you know, that uh, like us who don't play, I mean, it'd be like, oh, this is a golf club? Look at my new hat. Well, look at my shoes. I mean, I, I actually, I Are do you? play. Oh my! God. I hate to break it she to you, Michelle. Plays not, not competitively. Um, I drive a mean golf cart. <laughs> I am so good at the driving of the golf cart. I mean, I can, I can outdo anybody else in the golf cart driving yeah. business. I'm not spectacular, but I can tell you that my very first game of golf, I had an eagle. What? On the 17th hole. That's so unusual. I have no I idea what to eagle go, means. Emily. <laughs> well, You're thank amazing. You. Thank you. Yeah, I haven't, I've been chasing it ever since. And see, but... doesn't that feel wonderful? Doesn't that make you want to do it over oh, and over yeah. again? And oh, I love see, it. See, that's what's addicting about golf is once you have a taste of how good you could be, mm-hmm. then you want to do that all the time. And so you continue to work at that over and over and over again. Yeah. But I love teaching people like you. I love teaching brand new golfers. I love teaching the women because they really want to learn and they really want to get better. And Mm -hmm. I feel like I have a lot to offer them. The high school girls are my favorite because... um, There's so much potential. So much potential. So much talent. And I'm just like... I feel like they're a sponge and I just want to give them all this information that they can take and get a scholarship to college or it doesn't mean that you have to play professionally, but it's a game that really can teach you a lot of really good things, values and patience and work ethic. And well, and I think for women to be able to play the game, if you're a businesswoman and you can play the game and you can be out on the course with the men that are in your field and you stay relevant. Very true. You totally stay relevant in their minds versus, I mean, I, I mean, again, I drive a mean golf cart, but (laughs) I'm not, I'm not a, I'm not a player. So I have to stay relevant in other, other ways and Mm -hmm. means, but, um, you know, the women that I've known who've been able to up their ability in the game, they find themselves to be more successful business women if they're in a predominantly male uh, field. Absolutely. Yeah. I see it over and over again. I would 
But I, I agree with your sentiment that you were saying, Nicole, of, you know, just it's the discipline of learning an art like what you're teaching, you know, um, regardless of whether or not that student goes to college on the scholarship or goes to become a young professional or a professional or pursue it, just having that discipline in life will take them anywhere they want to go. It's good in studies. It's good in any field you want to pursue. It's something that I see as a musician, you know, learning how to practice. You know, you got to practice those skills. (laughs) You got to go to the driving range. You know, just, you know, learning how to carve out that time to work through those kinks. And that that kind of practice is 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 good at no matter what we do with our life. So it's awesome that you've got these young women coming to you that have these, these ambitions of being the next Tigerette Woods. But, you know, it's awesome that they can take that discipline and turn it into something that can be meaningful no matter what they pursue. Exactly. That's I like being a part of all that. Yeah. Um, Nicole, as a professional athlete, you you made some sacrifices along the way to to be able to pursue that career. If there is if if you could change the world of the professional athlete, a female professional athlete, what would you do to make it more a kind of world that didn't require so many sacrifices? You know, or you don't have children, right? You don't have. You don't have that spouse of 35 years, which some people might say, that's a blessing. <laughs> some people might say that to you. That's a blessing. But, you know, you don't have that. You you know, you're, you're a single woman, you know, kind of starting over again in a different avenue or aspect of the golf world. But what would you, what would you like if you could craft the ideal environment for a, for a woman's golf league that wouldn't that wouldn't require so many sacrifices what would you suggest well i think it it would be a lot easier if they made more money to to begin with i mean if they made more money it would really make life a lot easier you wouldn't have to play every single week you could play a couple weeks and then take some time off Uh, let your body heal right because Mm -hmm. i mean that's Tough on your body, I would think. Exactly. Like, you know, Tiger Woods, he just chooses a couple. He doesn't play every single week. He chooses the ones he wants to play in, and he's able to make a a decent living. Well, he wins everything and and, and his endorsements and everything else that he gets. And he doesn't get pregnant, so he doesn't have to get off the field. He can get people pregnant, but he doesn't. He can have children, but it doesn't keep him from playing the game. Exactly. But it does impede Mm -hmm. a woman from playing the game. I mean... Yeah, so a woman, when she's playing every weekend and week out, her husband's not following her along. Her husband's at home working. Mm -hmm. And so all the guys on the men's tour... Their wives are out there following them around with the whole family, with their kids supporting them. So their whole world is with them all the time. And that's not like that for the women. The women don't see their husbands. They don't see their families. If they have children, yes, we have a daycare, um, which has only been in the last 10 years. Wow. And, Mm. you know, 20 years ago, there was no daycare out there. There was who was taking care of the babies. You had to be able to afford having a nanny. Julie Inkster had nannies, Nancy Lopez, nannies that traveled with them. I mean, who could afford that? They and because they, because the men girls, weren't going to stay home and take care of the babies. No, heaven forbid. No, absolutely oh not. So, I, you know, I would imagine having being pregnant could affect the golf swing significantly. Like, how far along have you seen pro golfers go in the game while? carrying a baby they usually go six or seven months i've seen as long as like maybe even seven and a half months which is crazy and they're still able to play pretty good (laughs) it's amazing the guys could never do that (laughs) are you kidding me don't you just like want to strap on a belly and have them try it for a while yeah right here (laughs) let's 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 work on your swing now you now have this you know the belly that sticks out 12 inches see if you can still compete now Mm -hmm. yeah yeah i can't imagine that obviously they they uh, professional athletes who become pregnant professional professional female athletes who become pregnant 
have a much better uh, work ethic and uh, nutrition <laughs> ethic than, like, you know, Michelle when she was pregnant. Because there was no way I could have swung a golf club over my belly and my boobs and, and like, <laughs> I, no. Yeah, no. how do you— It was tough to play putt-putt when right? I was pregnant, yeah. yeah. Your body changes a ton. I'm curious, Hard. how do—I mean, how do big-breasted women work through the swing? Well, like, it's I mean, tough. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, it's controversial. Back in Ben Wright um, made a comment on it on CBS Sports back in 1994 or 95, and he actually got fired for that. Um, back when, you know, decorum was something that was of importance. So people in the were US. talking about panties and bras <laughs> during a show at that time, apparently, right? Boobs. Yes, boobs. Yeah, boobs in nineteen ninety-four. Isn't that something? <laughs> yeah, but but now we can have people doing all sorts of things, and We're they can fine. can become the president. But it's fine. Yeah, it's fine. That's exactly right. Yeah, but they do. I mean, they're in the way for sure. But you just kind of have to, you know, you squeeze them together, yeah. hug around them, or put them over. You just kind of adjust. You get used to yeah. it. It's part of your body, so you just kind of. I mean, Nancy Lopez was like one of the best in the world, and she had a nice chest on her. Laura Davies, Laura Davies, like came in second place. Laura Davies is over fifty years old, and she came in second place in a current LPGA event, which is amazing. And then she ended up winning the U.S. Senior Open last year and the LPGA wow. uh, Senior Championship, the Senior LPGA Championship last year, which is amazing. She, I'm, it's unheard of what the things that she's done, and she has a big chest, so. I love it. (laughs) Question, question. Is there ever, and I apologize for my um, ignorance in your sports. There is no bad question, Michelle. There's no bad question on our podcast. There isn't. Um, Is there an event or a tournament where the men and the women play together or compete against each other? I think that's a great question. Thank you, Emily. (laughs) I appreciate that. That is a great question. Not really. (gasps) A long time ago, they used to have this tri-tour challenge where the seniors and the LPGA and the men all played against each other. It was like maybe 10 pros, 10 from each tour. And the women and each one's played a different tee. The PGA guys played way back. And then the... Because they're better. See, well, they hit it so much farther. I mean, just it's because... They're all, they're all, you know, doping. I'm just kidding. Yeah. I don't know if they are or not. <laughs> um, I don't mean to start a whisper campaign. <laughs> <laughs> I think the I don't know. I would like to look it up, but I think the women always won. Seriously. Mm-hmm. Oh, you know what the men would say? Was well, so they get to start closer? Yep, for sure. There's but, always a reason. Yeah. I I you know, cuz I remember um, you know, the movies that have come out and the discussions, you know, with the te- in the tennis world and you know, in the and um the one with Billy Jean playing um Whatever his name was, that man I can't remember his name. It was a great It was a great movie, and I and I wondered if there was a similar type of battle of the sexes within the golf world, and would that even happen in the golf world? Do they? Does the golf world think that they are so much above what is happening uh, among the little people in the world that they would never even consider? Why would the women want to play against us? I mean, I don't know if that, I don't know if I'm projecting a, a perception. A fair question. Well, Annika Sorenston, about, it was probably more than 10 years ago, she played in a men's event in Texas and she trained for a year to try to be able to compete with the To qualify men. and to compete. She got a sponsor's exemption and then she trained. To, you know, because they play the golf courses a lot longer than the women do. Mm-hmm. And the women are not capable of hitting it as far as the guys. We just don't, don't generate that kind of club head speed. Because the boobs, the boobs get in the, the way. Boobs get in the I mean, mm-hmm. that you take, you like, think about it, like the, the velocity of the swing, and then, oh, you have an We've, impediment you have to get over every single time. Yeah. Because if you didn't have the boobs, you could. I don't think That's so. Well, <laughs> Being the golf novice that I am, I'm going to stick with my thought there. <laughs> it's a good strategy. But, I see what you're saying. But is there more finesse in the short game that perhaps we come alive? A lot of people say that the women have more finesse and are better putters and chippers. But it seems to me that we're all pretty equal when you compare mm-hmm. on, on that note. Mm-hmm. That's anyway. interesting, though. We should have like a chipping putting contest and see who's better, right? right? How, because that's all equal. 
Mm-hmm, you're but right. There's not strength is not a, a factor then. So start from like ninety yards being out. Spread mm-hmm, as they walk right? around. Start the, like ninety yards out. Not even ninety. No, just by the green because ninety yards out still. Like I'm hitting an A wedge and I have to take a full swing. A guy's like take just like a chip. It's like a chip shot for them. Yeah. But I. But yeah. I like think. maybe thirty yards. Okay. Yeah. I I like your idea. Let's have yeah. a competition. 18 holes from, Just from like 30, 40 yards out and in, and a, a, so all the tours against each other and see who survives. Let's put this request out. Let's find a golf course to do this, and let's coordinate it. I think that's we'll a make great it happen. idea. Right. I'm, I'm curious, though, how did Annika do when she played on the tour, on the men's she tournament? She did not make the cut. Oh. No. But she didn't putt well, and so well, so which wasn't. was interesting. But you know, she spent the last year trying to hit it long and far. Mm-hmm. So she, you know, trade off putting right. skills. She was yeah. focusing on, yeah. And so tee to green, she competed, no problem. But then she had trouble. That that's what I understand. And has any woman competed in a men's tournament since? I believe Michelle Wee has, and um, I don't think she made the cut either. And I mean, these are these are the best in the world. These are really good players. Mm-hmm. So it's going to happen again. Well, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. With I mean, you are looking at the future crop of female professional golfers upcoming. I mean, what are your thoughts? Are you excited? Do you see a difference in the talent? What's presenting at this age versus when you were that age? I mean, what are your what are your thoughts about the future for women in golf? Yeah, the up and coming girls playing golf are really really good in this country, all over the world. The it's so competitive. They're trained at such a young age. They're fearless. They're not intimidated. They yeah. just go after it. It's it's really good stuff. I love to see it. Yeah, women aren't. Ashamed to be women now, right? <laughs> yes. Which is a wonderful thing. So they're yeah. going out and roaring. <laughs> <laughs> they are. It's yeah. fearless. It's there's a major difference. Uh, well, my 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 question to you to kind of maybe wrap up today's episode is, you know, what's the future hold for you, Nicole? I mean, you've got the Legends uh, tournament coming up in Seattle, but like. You know, not to sound too cliche, but you're, you know, you've got your second half. You're still professional, but what, what do you hope for yourself and what do you, what do you want in your life coming up? So I like to be a good role model for the other, for the up and coming golfers. I'm really enjoying teaching the high school girls. I'm enjoying teaching the uh, women that want to just play with their husbands or, you know, able to go to the outing at work that none of the women go to. It's always right. all the men. Yeah. Uh, I really enjoy teaching those people and, and giving them the courage to go out there and play. It's a great game. And, um, and, I'm also still playing a little bit of golf, so I'll, I'll be playing in Seattle. I'll be playing in the Senior LPGA Championship at French Lick, Indiana, in October. Oh, wow. We might be able to come out for that because that's be not fun. too far. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Hidden treasure there we'll in French Lick. We'll do the pro-am. Yeah. <laughs> I'm am. I'm well, very, very am. <laughs> well, I think Emily's not too shabby over there. Emily and if I could give some lessons, maybe <laughs> we'll do really well. That sounds fabulous. <laughs> I can drive the cart. Oh, anyway, so I, I didn't mean to interrupt, but you are playing in French Lake, Indiana. In French Lake, Indiana. And then I'm also playing in uh, the end of June in the KPMG, which is an LPGA championship with the big girls. It's a regular LPGA tournament. It's a major championship, and I'm playing it in it based on my teaching skills that, that I qualified for. Oh, nice. So that's going to be fun. Yeah. I mean, if I can make the cut there or maybe do a little better than that, that would be incredible. Sounds yeah. marvelous. But we'll see. Well, we, we well, will be rooting exciting. for you for sure. Yeah, we are your fans. We'll yeah. be on the side screaming for you, go, Nicole, <laughs> go, hit it hard. <laughs> right? Because you want us to do that, right? Yeah. I guess I do. Especially Absolutely. when you're putting. Get it in the hole right? as loud as we can. Yes. I, I can do that. Yes. I'm a soccer mom. I know know how to yell from the sidelines yeah and support and positive always positive things to say that's right especially i mean i know how to like yell at your opponents in a positive way 
We will come with pom-poms and wine. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm like, we're going to work on a chair. <laughs> N-I-C-O-L-E. Say it again. <laughs> <Yeah>. Drop it in. <laughs> <laughs> because that's how we roll. That's how we show our support for our favorite, favorite female professional golfers. Right, Emily? That's right, Michelle. Wow. Well, cheers, ladies. Cheers. This has been a lot of fun. Thank you, Nicole, for joining us today. Thank you for coming down to the studio. Thank yeah. you for having and, me. Uh, we look forward to following your career, seeing you more in St. Louis, talking with you more. And thank you so much. And to getting some lessons. Yeah. Let's get another Eagle Emily. Yes. <laughs> Let's figure out what an Eagle is, Michelle. <laughs> I'm going to Google it after the episode. all right everyone thank you so much for joining us um you know as michelle always says make sure to follow us on all of our socials Mm -hmm. like us on our instagram our twitter our facebook um and uh if you listen no because you're listening to us right now but if you could like just hit the five stars subscribe Mm -hmm. share tell your friends because that's how the algorithms know to tell people about our podcast yeah and You know, we have been stopped by people in the grocery store, at the wine merchant, (laughs) at other places in town. And people are like, we love your podcast. We think it's great. Blah, blah, blah. But if you could send us an email or call us and leave a comment on our... Our comment line, which is 812-727-0794. We would greatly appreciate We'd that. We'd love to hear from you. Absolutely. Thank but, you but for... But don't feel like you can't come up to us in the wine merchant or other places and tell us how much you love the po- the podcast. That's still very cool, oh, too. We love it. We it's, appreciate that. It's fantastic. And you know what? Here's the truth. What's great is that people are finally saying, oh my gosh, we love what you're doing. Here, I have a guest for you. I have an idea for you. Um, we're so thrilled to have that kind of engagement and we want more of it. And so if you have a friend that needs to learn about us, pass it along, bring them into the, the clitorati. Yes. (laughs) Thank you for being a part of our conversation tonight. We love you. Good night. See you next week.